Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Check out our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, for our previous and our upcoming episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. Subscribe to us on your favorite syndication network. You can find us on places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, and more. And, 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 and also be sure to like us in places like Facebook, LinkedIn, and we have an Instagram channel. So with all that said, we are going to chat about a topic today that is something that comes up often in what we like to call the generic business conversations. But we're going to put a new spin on it. We're going to have a lot of fun kicking back and forth some stories and some anecdotes. And in all that, we're going to unearth some of those groundhogs that are burrowed beneath the surface and find out exactly what's going on to cause businesses to fail. So we're going to discuss the top three reasons why businesses fail, and obviously we're going to cover a bit more than that too, but that's where we're going to start, the top three reasons why businesses fail, and to enlighten me and you on what those top three reasons are, we have on board Adam Lean of the CFO Project. And let me tell you a little bit about Adam Lean. He's a former accountant turned small business owner. He hated being an accountant, but fell in love with being a small business owner. This is just one problem, just one problem. He struggled for the first several years of making a profit and growing cash flow. Sound familiar? And yet, Adam was an accountant. So fast forward 10 years, and Adam and his team now work with small business owners across the country as their own chief financial officer and shows them what they need to do to make more profit and more cash flow so they can finally take control over their business and their money. I want all that stuff, so Adam, come on in. Weather's fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Now, I just read off your bio with a little bit of your background story, and I know that's great. But I know that right now we have some listeners who are on their browsers. They've opened up a separate tab, and they're looking up things like Adam Lee, the CFO project, because <laughs> they want to know a little bit more about you. And we want to know a little bit more about you, too, before we dive into these reasons why businesses fail. So what we like to do at the beginning of every episode of Business Creators Radio Show is just take a quick step back and ask you, as our expert on the panel today, tell us a little bit about your journey above and beyond the biographical version and what's brought you to where you are today serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, I know. I appreciate it. So I was an accounting major in college, graduated from college, and got uh-huh. a job as an accountant because that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> uh, I quickly realized that sitting behind a desk and, and, and recording what happened in the business was not meant for me. I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to get in the business and, and help lead the business to, to grow. Uh, but that's not really what an accountant is supposed to do. So uh, uh, I started my own business, actually, and I kept my day job. This is about 15 years ago. I kept my day job, 
started my own business. Uh, it was an e-commerce retail store. Uh, I did that at night and on the weekends, and I had a blast. I really enjoyed I, – I was bit by the entrepreneurial bug. <laughs> uh, and, you know, within about three to four years, I was doing about a half a million dollars in sales, and sales – I mean, sales are going great. Um, and as a matter right. of fact, I mean, everything seemed to be going great. So I was able to leave my day job as an accountant and focus on this venture. But then within probably six months, things started not to be so great. Uh, I, I, sales were growing, and I had a blast being, you know, you know quote, unquote, my own boss and, and sort of uh, doing things the way I think they should be done. But I was struggling, like you said in the, in the intro, I was struggling with cash flow and I was struggling with profit. Um, but I, there was a couple of things that was bothering me. One, I was an accountant, so I shouldn't be struggling with those things, right? Uh, the second thing is right. I felt so so inadequate. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was I was the business owner. Uh, I went to school. I had this formal training, but I just felt so inadequate as a business owner. I didn't understand what was going on. I was wearing all the hats, and the the. You know, there were certain things that were going on that I just didn't understand. Why is my profit uh, so low? Why is my uh, struggling to keep cash in the bank? It, you know, it was just all very overwhelming and confusing. So fast forward, you know, now 15 years, I uh, developed a a simple way for business owners to make their financials clear so that they know exactly what they need to do to improve the profitability of the business and make their business a success. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, a lot of a sense out there, and I've heard this many times myself, and I experience it, especially a lot in my early days, and even sometimes now, every so often this comes up, is entrepreneurs and business creators have two conundrums, one of which is they don't know what they don't know, and they don't know what questions to ask. And when you put yep. those two things together, it can create a feeling of being stuck. And that's why when we discovered you and we invited you to be on the Business Creators Radio Show, we knew that this was going to be a great episode. So what I'd like to do is, uh, first of all, let's create sort of a framework for what is going on here before we get to these seven steps to more. Uh, no, well, actually, we're not going to do that one, uh, although we may – Ask that as a question. We'll see how much time we have. Uh, but we're covering here today the top three reasons why businesses fail. So, but first of all, um, let's create a framework here. What is the number one thing that every business must focus on but rarely does? You know, it's a great question. Cash flow. And, and most business owners get tripped up by the, 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 the terminology cash flow. All it really means is you need to have more cash coming into your bank account on a, on a yearly basis than leaving your bank account. And that's the number one thing that, that business owners should focus on. Every, I mean, literally, everything else that a business does uh, has stems from cash flow. And, and let me break that down. Half of all businesses never see their fifth birthday. 
and that's according to the Small Business Administration. So, so 50% of businesses fail, and there, there's, and we'll talk about the reasons why, but the, it all boils down to a, uh, a lack of, uh, of oversight of the financials. In other words, lack of, of having cash. Uh, you know, and, and there's various reasons why this happens, but if, if business owners focused on nothing else but making sure that they had more cash, their, their business generates more cash than last year, they would be, they would be winning. Yeah. And here's the thing. People I see sometimes focus on, they want to, they're looking at a revenue number. Like, I want to make six figures. Well, what does six figures mean? Because $100,000 and $999,000 are two dramatically different amounts, but those are still six figures. Uh, now the trend I'm seeing is because six figures has been beaten to the ground and seven figures has been beaten to the ground. Now the hot new thing is we want to make you an eight-figure entrepreneur. Okay, so is that $10 million or $19,999,000? Right. And, and I mean, the thing what is – I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and the problem is most people have it wrong. Robert Kiyosaki, the author, said that it's not how much it's not how much you make that matters. It's how much you keep. And a lot, just like you said, a lot of people are focused on the making part, the sales. You know, I'm doing three million dollars in sales this year. Somebody would say, well, what does that mean profit-wise? Well, if you're only making you know a thousand dollars profit, then does it matter? Who cares if you're doing $3 million in sales if you're only adding $1,000 to your bank that, that year? It's all about how right. much you, you keep, and profit is the keeping part, and profit is what turns into cash for your business. You know, I, have, I remember when I was in like the second or third grade, and this was in the mid-1980s, and they asked us what we want to be when we grow up. Well, yeah, ask the kid what they want uh, to be when they grow up. They want to be a policeman or a fireman or a nurse or, uh, or, a, or a teacher <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was. And I'm sure terms that we would have used in the 1980s. Um, uh, we wouldn't put the word man after all those things anymore because fortunately and very happily, we've seen so much evolution in, uh, in women's advancement, which is great. So, uh, but I put down that I wanted to be president of the United States. And the reason was is because I knew from reading the encyclopedia that the president of the United States made $200,000 a year. Now it's more than twice that, but back then the salary was $200,000 a year. And I said, if I can do a good job and get reelected, um, after my fifth year I'll be a millionaire. I actually wrote this and submitted this as my homework. Because <laughs> I, I, I was in the mindset that the president made $200,000 a year, so at the end of year five, I would have a million dollars. I was able to do yeah. that level of mathematics. But see, Logic what was not developed <laughs> in my mind was the part that, the good part of that was going to get spent along the way. So, <laughs> yeah. so, that, so I, think, I think that's what happens is that entrepreneurs say, yeah, I'm going to clear six figures this year. I'm going to break seven figures. I'm going to make $9 million. But are they spending $9 million so that their actual profit is nothing? Right. These are some of the questions totally. you need to think about. And what, what are they doing with that money? Um, is that money being invested smartly 
Are they spending it on continuing education to actually help them, or just to spend money on everything just so they can go take a bunch of selfies with their same group of friends? Are they buying information? Are they buying information courses that they're actually consuming? Are they taking some of that money, investing it, and getting involved in new media so that they're appearing on podcasts, live streams, webinars, and telesummits? Uh, you know, working with an agency to get them some of those bookings. Yeah, I have an agency that does that for people. Are they doing that because that's something that leads to more money? Because now you're making, you're doing more networking, you're doing more client attraction. You have more people coming through your door. Are you using that money to invest on promoting lead magnets to build your list that you can then do an effective follow-up sequence is? And are you tweaking that follow-up sequence? Are you running advertising? Or are you buying a yacht? And I mean, I have a client who lives on a boat. It was his childhood dream to live on a boat, and he lives on a boat now. Uh, he's also one of the smartest entrepreneurs I know when it comes to understanding the difference between revenues and profits. And he has an extremely profitable business. So I bring that some of that up because uh, people see that they're making a lot of cash, but at the entrepreneurial level, especially when they experience successes beyond their wildest dreams, they all of a sudden don't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, it, it's there's so many things that you could be doing, but most business owners, a lot of business owners, don't even get to the point of having cash to even make a decision of what to do with it. They're spending every dime they get just to keep the business going. Like I have a client now that's been in business for 13 years, and he came to me and said that he 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 came to me a couple of years ago and said that he's owned his business for a for a long time, and he has nothing to show for it. All the money he's made, he's spent, so essentially he's broken even every year. I mean, he's been able to pay his right. personal bills and and have a sort of a living. Valerie, but he could have gotten a job and saved himself so much stress and headache. But I know, just like I was, there's people out there that are meant to be business owners and they have a business for a reason. I know I was meant to be to start a business and and be a, a business owner or entrepreneur. Uh, so I didn't. I wasn't okay with going to get a job, but I'm also not okay with just making a salary every year as well. I wanted to show something for my business. Right. Oh, I, I, I understand. And, and everybody has a different definition of that. Sometimes it's uh, a certain level of material wealth. Sometimes it's a level of being able to have experiences. Maybe it's a combination of that and having the opportunity to give back. Uh, being able to look back after 13 years and say, as a result of my efforts, I have accomplished X, Y, and Z. And I think what you're mm -hmm. saying is you have somebody come to you at the end of 13 years and they legitimately cannot look back and say that other than paying their own bills that the world was in any way a better place because they had done their entrepreneurial venture up until that point. Right. Totally. Yeah. That's that. He couldn't retire. I mean, it, right. I agree. He couldn't retire if he wanted to. He couldn't buy another business. He couldn't pour money into his business to expand it. He just couldn't do any of that. Uh, because he wasn't, there was he, various things that he made decisions on impacted that negatively. Right. That's very sad. That's very sad. So what are some of the other reasons that business owners and business creators struggle? So the first reason, and this is, you know, the half of, like I said earlier, half of all business owners, businesses fail. 
And it's not because of a lack of trying or passion on behalf of the business owner. The, the first reason why businesses fail is because the business owner lacks certain business and financial acumen. And, and here's what I mean by that. A fitness expert buys a gym because they're a fitness expert. They're, they're great at their craft, not because they thought buying a gym would probably be the best financial investment. You know, a dentist starts a dental practice because they're trained in dentistry, not because they think a dentist office is the best financial vehicle for them. But So regardless, most businesses start in the United States are, uh, are because the business owner is an expert at what they do, which is great. We need dentists that are great dentists. We need fitness experts that are, that are great fitness experts. Uh, but the fact remains, they still own a business. And the business's goal has to be to make a profit, which means, you know, which, which turns into cash. Uh, so they have to do certain things to keep that machine, keep that business machine producing cash. You know, I tell people all the right. time to think of your business as a machine that sits in your garage. And, all, and that machine's entire function is to, to produce cash, to, to manufacture cash. <laughs> And, with, I mean, if, if you had a machine sitting in your garage producing cash, you'd want to keep that machine running in top shape, right? I mean, yeah. anybody would. And the, the, the problem is to keep the machine running in top shape, there's certain critical things that you have to do that a lot of people just don't understand because they're not they're, – they're more focused on their craft than they are in the business and financial acumen. Yeah, you know, I have a combination. Go ahead. No, sorry, I was going to say I have a doctor client, a client that's a doctor, and he told me he says I'm great at being a doctor. I'm not great at being a business owner. Um, and it showed through his his uh, his financial reporting and his bank account. Um, you know, but so you know, so basically, you business owners can do one of two things or both. I recommend both. To get the first thing is they need to get better at their business and financial acumen knowledge, so they can. And then anybody listening to this podcast is already doing a, a uh, already has a leg up on a lot of other business owners. They're actually learning right. and getting better, kind of like what you were alluding to earlier. They're you know people taking courses and reading, but so so listen to more podcasts, uh, read books, take courses. Go to business school at night or, or whatnot. There, there's so many ways to get better at your at, at business and financial acumen. Um, and you know, of course, the second thing is is to to get somebody to help to assist. I mean, that doctor. The reason why he came to me is because he didn't have he needed to stay focused on what he did best. And actually, he he'd rather stay focused on on what he did best and and he just he hired us to to help him make his financials clear. And every month we just say, look, here's the the three to five things that you need to do this month to to improve the profitability of your business. And he does it. He gets his team involved. And then in the next month we measure it, make sure everything happened, and then we do the whole process over again. That way he doesn't have to 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 think. Um. You know, right. So, so yeah, I would recommend both getting 
you know, getting educated and getting improving yourself, improving your financial acumen, but also getting help when needed. Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a, another thing that we need to bear in mind too, is that I, sometimes we see folks who jump into um, who, who jump into uh, business because they um, how do we how do we how do I say this? They jump into business because somebody told them they can make a lot of money doing something, but they don't understand that business. And if uh, right. I think that there's a balance between your doctor client who is great at being a doctor, not so great at being a marketer or an entrepreneur. That's fine. So he has the foresight to recognize that he needs to hire someone like you to help him with the business development team. That's a smart doctor who wants to be successful. I commend him. He's got exactly right. I've also seen folks that uh, want to get into a business because, oh, they heard they can make money at it. Like I knew somebody once who had the idea that they wanted to get into the virtual assistance industry, which is a you know, big industry, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they themselves, this person who went against the virtual assistance industry, did not understand how to log into their own WordPress site to post a blog post. They didn't know, how to, where to, get, they didn't know to add forward slash WP dash admin to the end of their URL to go to their username and password, type that in, and then in the left hand column click post add new and type in a blog post. They didn't know how to do that. And hmm. here's the best part. They didn't want to know how to do that. Their idea was is that they were actually going to charge higher rates than other virtual assistance agencies and they were going to hire other virtual assistants and have them do all the work and they were just going to take the profit. And you wonder how I found out about that because uh, some people in the market knew that I was associated with this person that had this idea, and some other virtual assistants I know came to me and said, uh, Adam, I'm actually like boiling here because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to tell you what your friend actually just suggested I do without exploding because they found it so offensive that somebody who knew nothing about virtual assistants and was not even interested in learning virtual assistants expected them to work at discount rates so that this other person who knew nothing about being a VA could charge premium rates and break off a huge profit on top of it. Wow. So that is the, that to me is the opposite spectrum of your doctor client. So somewhere in the middle, there's an understanding where you have somebody who understands how to grow a business, they know what they need to do to grow the business. They know, at least from a strategic level, how it all works, like a, you know, like a battlefield commander level, how it works. And at the same time, they have the intelligence to hire somebody whose brilliance and passion intersect at doing that thing and will do it extremely well for them. And at the same time, they'll be able to appreciate the value because they know at least conceptually what that person's doing. I have a feeling that was actually kind of like where your doctor friend was. They understood conceptually what needed to happen. They themselves just uh, were either a combination of not very good at it or it was nowhere near the intersection of their brilliance and passion, which means they didn't need to be there. They needed to focus on being a doctor. Do I have that about right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, he, of course, understood the concept of, of, you know, what his business is supposed to do. He's supposed to make a profit. He knows he has to increase sales. He knows he has to do all these things. 
Uh, he just, it, it's just that financials are so confusing for most business owners. You know, the, the accountant or bookkeeper will do the books and do the year-end financial stuff, and most people don't know what's going on in the background. Nobody, most people don't, most business owners don't know what the bookkeeper's doing or what the accountant's doing. And then at the end of the month or end of the quarter, year, they'll just give the business owner, you know, two or three documents. They'll give them the, the P&L, the, you know, the profit and loss statement, the balance sheet, and maybe the statement of cash flows and say, here. <laughs> and the business owner's looking at these reports like, you know, they're Greek. And that, that's problem number one. Problem number two is they're not using the, the business, these reports, to help them make decisions that will improve their business. You know, does making a profit of two thousand dollars last month is that good or bad? Well, it, it does. It doesn't. You know, it depends. Having assets on your balance sheet of fifty thousand dollars is that good or bad? Well, it depends. And and business owners have to understand their financials so that they can make managerial decisions that will grow their business. Right. Right, very true, very true. And here's and then uh, here's another thing that uh, you know that comes up when we talk about this. And just give me one second here. Uh, the next thing that uh, we want to think of is tell us a little bit more before we get into and we summarize some of what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, tell us a little bit about more about your method of helping clients get control over their business and money because we've now identified two different trends. People don't really have control of their money, and at the same time, they don't have control of their business, either from lack of knowledge or uh, lack of understanding or you know, lack of brilliance and passion in that area. Yeah, so that's a good question. We, Our philosophy is that the business owner needs to stay focused on what they do best for a couple of reasons. Right. It's what they do best, and they enjoy doing it, and it prevents burnout. I mean, if the business owner who loves, you know, the like my doctor client, he he loves being a doctor, but if only you know, if ninety percent of his time was spent doing, you know, quote unquote businessy things, and not seeing patients or whatnot, then he would quickly get disenfranchised with his business. With his business, he he wants to stay involved in the in the doctor world, and that's what he's good at, and that's you know why his right. businesses exist. Uh, so the the what our philosophy is we try to keep uh, the business owner uh, focused on what they enjoy and what they do best, and we just give them the bottom line. We give them the 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 thing the the small amount of things that they need to know to do every single month to uh, to improve the profit of their business. So we'll we'll take their fin- the, the business owner's financials. Every single month, their their reports, those those reports I was talking about earlier, and other business reports, and we'll analyze them. We'll we'll do the the behind the scenes uh, dirty work of analyzing the financials, and then we'll come to the business owner and say, look, here's what's working and what's not working right now in your business, and we'll give them a uh, what we call a a, a scorecard, a business uh, profit scorecard, where we're literally it's in. Some items are in red, some are in yellow, some are in green. And, of course, our goal is to get everything in green. That way it's visually and simply clear for the business owner to know 
the, the health of their business. So right. we'll, we'll show them this, we'll, we'll review it, and let them, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, and they'll ask questions or whatnot. And then we'll say, all right, based on this, here's the three to five things that we feel that you need to work on this month to, uh, to stay on track to improve the profitability of your business. And we'll put it in yeah. super clear language and that in mm-hmm. that way, the business owner can, can think about it through their lens. They're not financial people, nor do they need to be necessarily, but they could think about it through their lens. They could, and, and we'll strategize on how to make it happen. So that at the end of the phone right. call, we have a monthly phone call. At the end of the phone call, the business owner will know exactly what they need, their, the, exactly what needs to be their focus for that month. Uh, and then we'll do the same exact thing next month. And then, you know, within a period of time, within six to 12 months, they'll start to see more of those items on that scorecard uh, and turn green. And then the business is really humming at that point. Right. Right. I'm, I'm with you. Now, here's, um, now here's something else that comes up sometimes. Is I think that as part of the standard entrepreneur education out there, entrepreneurs are told that there's, certain things that if they do it themselves, that they are not in business. And let me give you an example. There are some business creators out there I know, and one of them is a guy I see when I look in the mirror in the morning, who uh, (laughs) they are just, uh, I'll I'll give you an example, they have have a, a CPA, and they have a tax advisor, and they have everybody else that helps them handle their money, but they will not let go of their own bookkeeping which means that they're the ones who are going to be doing the entries into QuickBooks. They just don't yeah. want to deal with and, and part of the reason is, is they don't want to deal with having to take the time to gather up all kinds of receipts uh, and then give it to somebody and then have to answer 25 different questions and try and remember, why exactly did I go to Fleming's on March 23rd and who all was at the table and was this really a business meeting and and uh, and what account should we assign this to and all that. They don't want to do that. What they want is uh, every Friday afternoon they gather up what they did that week, uh, punch it in, and then if there's anything left over in terms of uh, entries from statements or anything like that, they can usually just integrate that because almost every credit card company and every bank out there will allow you to feed your statement data directly into your QuickBooks. Just go through that, validate everything, drop into the right account automatically because you can actually train QuickBooks to assign routine transactions from routine vendors directly into certain mm-hmm. accounts. You can do that, believe it or not. Uh, they just don't want to hire a bookkeeper, but they say bookkeeping is not something a leveraged entrepreneur does. Let me tell you the other <laughs> reason why I myself do this. I do my own entries. It's because it allows me to see the money. It gives me a reminder of where this money is going. And I find that when I do my entries, um, I usually do them about once every two months, uh, usually about how often I catch them up, is that allows me to see in real time, right in front of me, what's happening with my money. And I'll usually keep a notepad in front of me while I'm doing this because I'll write down things like, uh, like we need to increase marketing. I notice we have very low marketing going out right now. We need to reduce this technology because I paid for a package this big, but I know for the fact that business isn't using that right now. So we can probably go to a lower, lower level on that. Um, I notice we're spending a lot of domains here 
let's do a quick check of the GoDaddy account and make sure there's nothing I'm just holding on to that I'm never actually going to use that we can just let go. So to me, having that level of responsibility is part of being a responsible entrepreneur who understands the importance of cash flow, revenue versus profits. And I will hire a CPA who understands the tax law better than I do to help me navigate that piece of it. To me, that's leverage. Others may say, that's not being an entrepreneur. You're being a slave doing $12 an hour work. I don't see it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, it's, I agree with you. If the business owner wants to do the books themselves, then go for it. I do my own books myself. Uh, but right. there, there's a, there's a, I actually have a client that does the exact same thing. Her philosophy is I want to do the books myself, so I want to know exactly what is coming in and what is going out. If somebody spends money in my business, because uh, she gives them, you know, employees ability to, to pay for things, she says, I want to know. So she does the books herself. So yeah, they, you know, somebody could argue that there's probably higher value things you could be doing, the business owner could be doing with their time. You know, but if the business right. owner wants to do that, then great. But there's a huge difference between knowing what the 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 the, the bookkeeping information, the, the the numbers coming in and out of your bank account and your sales. There's a huge difference between knowing that and understanding what needs to change to improve the profitability of the business. Because I guarantee you, those 50% of businesses that fail all had bookkeepers or all did the books themselves. They all had accountants, but they still failed because there's a huge right. difference between knowing and under, you know, knowing what's going on and understanding how you can use that information to make decisions to grow your business. Well, thank you, know, you for pointing that out. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what you're telling me is, so what you're telling me is, hey, you know, that's perfectly fine. Go right ahead and uh, and you know, go right ahead and do your bookkeeping, but make sure that just because you understand what's going on with what you see physically in front of you, you're not missing the bigger picture. That's what I just got out of it. If I, if I was receiving coaching from you, to me on that point. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. You have to see the bigger picture. So that you can use your your information, your your, your financial reports to make decisions. Absolutely. Right. Okay. All right. So, yeah. um, so uh, you know, we have a little bit of time here, which is good. Uh, we're about thirty-five minutes of the way in, so I know that we're going to end with a recap of the top three reasons why businesses fail. And in the green room, before we went live here today, Adam, you uh, – oh, I, I love your name's Adam, my name's Adam, you know, first name, basic, that sort of thing. Uh, yep. You you know, we were, you know, we were originally kicking around that what we were going to have as the lead for today's episode were steps to more profit and cash flow. So now that we've identified some of the distinctions between cash flow and profit and some of the things that get in the way of people experiencing that and where they allocate their growing compassion in the business and where they – think they're leveraged, but there's one more level they need to add to truly understand how they're gaining leverage from the activities they're doing. You know, what are some, you know, some practical steps? If I were to come to you and ask you, you know, what can I do to get more cash flow and more profit into this thing? What are some steps I could take? 
So that's a good question. And of course, that all depends on the specifics of the business. Uh, but we, you know, we have a process that we walk our clients through every single month to help figure out exactly what needs to happen in their business. Um, you know, we'll, the, the very first thing we'll do is we'll understand the true mission, like what's the point of the business? What is the business trying to accomplish? And then we'll, we'll uh, ask the business owner to tell us what are the, you know, if, if we met again in three years from today's date and everything went perfectly, what would your business look like? So these would essentially be, you know, three-year goals. So we'll, we'll understand the mission, like what's the, what specifically does the business do and how does it make their clients or customers' lives better. And we'll understand the three-year goals. And then the client uh, and I will, will establish 12-month financial goals. We'll say, well, where do okay. you want to be 12 months from now in sales, gross profit, profit, cash flow, et cetera? And, and we make it very easy for them to, to, to do this, and we'll talk things out. And, and usually at this point, the business owner is, is uh, this is more, you know, quote-unquote financial stuff that they've ever dealt with, and they love it because it's making things come to life. They're finally understanding, you know, how things interact, the way we do it. They're finally understanding how things, you know, interact together. Like sales, like if you, if you own a pizza restaurant wow. – and you sold, uh, you sell your, you know, a pizza for ten dollars. You know, we might uncover the fact that it's costing you eight dollars to make and deliver that pizza to the customer. Well, you made two bucks. Is you know, tw- that's a twenty percent gross margin. Well, if the industry average for pizza places is forty percent, then you're doing an awful job. But yeah. you know, and so these are just eye-opening things that that, that at this point the business owner is is, you know, they've never seen before. Um, so once we have the goals, then the one thing that we do that that uh, that is vitally important, and this, I, guess, I think this will answer your question, is that we, we uh, figure out the top three to five objectives that have to happen right now either this month or this quarter. And these are the most important objectives that that will help keep the business on track profitable, you know, to, to, to be a success and to increase the profit and cash flow. What are the three to five yeah. most important objectives? And then the business owner needs to stay focused on only that. Because what happens, and I, I, I'm guilty of this as an entrepreneurial type person, is that right. every time, uh, every time something new and shiny comes along, we want to like pivot and co- and go directly in that direction. <laughs> and so, yeah. it, you know, we're really scattered. And I think you know a lot of business owners are like that. They're, you know, there's so much going on. We want to do everything. The problem is by doing that, uh, you're you're really not focusing on what matters the most. Uh, and what matters the most, of course, are the, the, the three to five things that we've identified that will help the business owner improve the profit and cash flow of their business. So if, you know, if, if you've determined what the most important things are, the, the key is to focus. There's a methodology that we use 
with our clients that has been around for a couple decades now called uh, OKRs. Have you heard of this? I it's, think I have. Go ahead. Okay, it's it's OKRs, and that stands for Objectives and Key Results. And so the, the CEO of Intel uh, in the 80s sort of uh, – he was – he modeled a sort of a management philosophy from Henry Ford, you know, the, the car guy. Uh, Henry Ford came up with this idea of how can we get our factory workers to, to turn out more cars? <laughs> and so he came up with this idea of, of, you know, managing by measuring. And so they would measure, you know, what did the shift, the, the morning shift, how many cars did they produce? You know, I make, I'm making this simpler than what actually happened, but how many cars did they produce? The second shift, you know, the idea is that they would try to beat that. Um, they, you know, so they're measuring the productivity. Well, the, the CEO of Intel in the 80s wanted to take that same concept but, but apply it to desk workers, you know, people that are not necessarily producing a, a um, you know, a, a widget, not on the yeah. factory line. Right, a widget. Right. And so what they did, uh, he came up with this concept of, of objectives and key results where they're every, every uh, his business and every division and every employee had their own objectives that all rolled up. So the employee's objectives had to meet their department's objectives, which had to meet the, the division's objectives, which had to meet the, the whole company's objectives. And so everybody in the company was working on the most important thing. And so, anyways, when they, uh, the, when this, you know, uh, one of the, the executives from Intel, he became uh, a uh, board member for Google in the late 90s and introduced this concept to Google. And Google has used this concept since day one. Uh, and they credit OKRs, you know, objectives and key results, to, to them growing as, as much as they did because they're focused on the most important things, and they still use OKRs to this day. Um, and other companies like Amazon has adopted it. And so we, uh, and this is why, I, you know, part of the reason why I call the business the, the CFO project, these are things that a CFO, a chief financial officer, would do for big businesses. They would help the business owner, you know, focus on the most important things and point out what the most important things are. Uh, but we wanted to do this for small businesses. And so we uh, we take these, all these you know, the, the OKRs and then the financial uh, uh, concepts, and we model it and put it into a, uh, a, yeah, a model that small business owners can use to grow their business. Right. Right, right. And see, that, and see that, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that makes a lot of sense to, me and you, would you give us a pretty good stepwise process here? What I like about it are a couple things. Let me pull out. Number one, they were looking at it from a 12 month perspective because the reality is when it comes to making these shifts, these shifts can take time. And when you're putting a 12 month gauge on it, that allows for the results to happen within a reasonable amount of time. And I would add, from my own perspective anyway, allows time for course correction because is we know the straight line for the entrepreneur is kind of like a swiggly line that goes up and down hills and valleys about 20 times between point A and point B. So you need to allow time for course correction, and when it seems like, oh, goodness, we're not getting there, 
fast enough. I dealt with clients where uh, they wanted to do like one campaign or one promotion, and based on some numbers that they came up with, somewhere in their brain, I don't know where, they determined that based on the fact that they run a webinar, and they, somebody told them on that webinar that the same strategy they used it in their own business, and they made $60,000 off it, that the client mm-hmm. themselves was going to make $60,000 off it too, just because somebody else said that they did. That uh, this, analysis, this analysis, and I put that in air quotes, did not include what are the differences between uh, our clients versus this person who is teaching that webinar who said, oh, yeah, do this, you'll make $60,000 in three days. That, and you can go downhill from there, and then the client tries, tries it, and then the moment it doesn't make $60,000 in three days, they declare it a abysmal failure. And let me get to you what right. I mean by abysmal failure. Let's say they do in their business, and they make $23,000. It's the first time we've ever done it. Uh, first time ever did it. And they thought that they copied that person who said that you can make $60,000 off it. They thought they copied them exactly, and we're doing all the right things. Now it's going to immediately generate $60,000, but it only did 23. And they'll declare the whole thing an abysmal failure. And why do we listen to that? And how, how, how am I going to go on in business and I'll get discouraged for two months? No, you can't do that. What you do is you say, okay, all right, so if we hadn't tried this, we wouldn't have $23,000. So we're on our way to 60000 What can we do with this process to analyze it and figure out what works extremely well and what we could adjust and modify to make it more effective for our business and then maybe repeat this again in a month and perhaps then we'll get the other 37000 And once we have that, then we're going to have a repeatable strategy that we can cycle into our marketing activities, maybe every month, maybe every three months, but this is something that can become part of our cash flow formula. But instead, they'll believe the claims of some random person on some webinar, and then when it doesn't work out exactly like the first time, they'll declare an abysmal failure. Uh, another example I see is um, another example I see is an email goes out uh, like a broadcast email to subscribers, and it has a broken link in it. And what, okay, Adam, what happens when you send out an email with a broken link? You, what do you do? You say, "Oops, right?" Because it's going to happen once in a while. Mm-hmm. The sales spend, spend five days on statistical process control and corrective action plans and adding seven layers of reviews to every single email broadcast that goes out over a stupid fucking typo that could happen to anybody statistically at least once a year. And, uh, yeah, I did a big pattern interrupt to illustrate what a very minor deal this really is. And uh, yeah. I, don't even think Pete, I don't even think Peter Drucker would do that much statistical process control over a broken link in an email. So you see some of these trends. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, and then all of this would ultimately lead to the analysis paralysis. So I bring this up, and again, I'm just feeding back to you based on the advice and the coaching you've given me and the listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show, is if the entrepreneur or the business creator has the innate tendencies in them to copy things expecting the exact same result the first time, they may need to go through the agony of that to discover that's not the best way to go. Uh, they may need to send out emails and have, oops, one day the link was broken to discover the desultory effects on their business 
of spending five days on statistical process control and, and corrective action plans and looking to change the entire team and building seven-step review processes and everything else where they could have said, oh, well, just send a book email and next time be more careful. And when they see the impact of one behavior on their 12-month plan and their progress towards, towards the other, they will be developing skills and power that will help them be more effective as business creators. That's my thought. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, the business owner needs to stay focused on the most important things. And like in your example of the emails, I mean, that, it doesn't sound like that was to spend that much effort and time on wasn't the most important thing that they need to be focused on. I saw that happen, though. I saw it happen, though. We promised yeah. each other anecdotes. We're giving each other anecdotes. I worked <laughs> with someone once who actually suspended their email marketing for three weeks because a link was broken in their weekly newsletter once, and they didn't want to risk the humiliation of ever happening again, again. So they went through every single piece of their technologies, their teams, their businesses, until they had review plans written up and discussed in committee, they put all their marketing on hold until they went through all that, all because one day the reference to the upcoming webinar links to, uh, links to a broken link. Like, big freaking deal. He sent another email that says, oh, in our previous <laughs> newsletter, um, we are right. so grateful that a few of you reached out to us to let us know that you uh, saw that the link to the webinar was broken. Our profuse apologies. We're so excited to have you on the webinar. Here's the link. Ta-da! And then your webinar <laughs> registrations probably go up 15% over what you would have got otherwise. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, look at I mean, look at that. I know it by heart. And then you see other folks that do the uh, exact opposite. I, I I'm telling you legitimately. I know somebody that suspended their entire marketing campaign and all their activities for three weeks because one of their newsletters went out and there was a broken link to the webinar. Yeah, and and who knows if there was other important things uh, to – it's like they're they're picking they're, – they're stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. I mean, could there have been more important, yeah. higher-value things to focus on over that, that three-week period? Yeah, uh, yeah, a broken link in a newsletter when normally everything is working just fine, when it's like a statistical error, uh, what comes down to is uh, send an oopsie email – and uh, just, you know, cool down a little when you're reviewing this and just make you absolutely sure. And if you want to have somebody else look at it on the team, you might want to consider that just because I know how busy you are and white line fever and everything else. That's not as far as you need to go with this, really. I mean, now, every email going out is broken. Then you have a problem with that team member. You have a problem with that technology. But look at the problem you really have. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Right, so uh, we are coming up towards the end of this, but I want to do a nice summary for us, Adam. And uh, since we are talking about the top three reasons why businesses fail, let's cap off by recapping those so that folks know where to begin their analysis as they work their way down or work their way up or work their way sideways to diagnose the problems that are keeping them stuck where they are or in failing mode and get them moving towards success. Yeah, definitely. So the the reason number one why businesses fail is lack of business and financial acumen. We talked about that. Uh, the second reason right. is just a lack of cash. Simply a lack of cash. Uh, you know, there's there's 
there's three main ways to get cash. One is you can get a loan from a bank, but for most businesses, that's not it's not prudent. Uh, plus, the bank, you know, of course, wants the money back. Uh, you could also get an investor in your business. They'll give you cash, but you have to give a piece of your business away, and that's really also not not uh, practical for a lot of businesses, especially small businesses. Right. Um, the third, of course, best way, and that's is to make a profit, um, and that's the the other reason why businesses fail is this lack of profit. Um, and profit sounds easy, just simply make more than, than you spend. I mean, it, it sounds easy, uh, but again, 50% of all businesses fail. Um, and and there's, a, there's a few reasons why uh, businesses have a lack of profit. One is just not of sales. Either there's no demand for their product or service, or they haven't really found a sustainable way to generate sales, you know, basically marketing. They haven't, they haven't figured out how a, a cost-effective, sustainable way to consistently get sales uh, on a regular basis. Um, another reason why their, their profit struggles is there's not enough margin in their product or service. Like that pizza company, you, you pay, they charge $10 for a pizza, but you have to pay out $8.00. You're making two bucks to pay your overhead, your employees, and your rent, and your insurance, and all that. It may not be enough. Um, and then the, the another reason why a lot of businesses suffer from lack of profit is just they have too much overhead. Uh, you know, things that like rent and payroll insurance. Uh, you know, every every single expense that a business spends must produce a positive return on investment, regardless of what it is. Right. You know, marketing is an easy one to know your return on investment. You spend $1,000 to do this marketing strategy. Did it give you, a, you know, $1,001 worth of, of profit? I mean, that's, that's simple. Right. That's a, that means you had a positive return on investment. It's harder with things like, like uh, employees or, or insurance or, or whether or not you should hire a lawn company to cut your grass. I mean, it, it, but you still have to think through that. You know, it, think through every time you spend money in the business. Is this employee, you know, are they are they paying for themselves somehow in the business? Um, so, anyways, you have to have a positive return from uh, from your overhead. But uh, but yeah, those are three reasons why businesses fail: uh, lack of business and financial acumen, lack of cash, and lack of profit. And that all boils down to just a lack of financial management. Um, right. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I think going along with that, you know, we're talking about team resource, and I think it's a great way to cap off to let people just think about what they're doing. Is I've seen folks who will, uh, they're, they're making the journey from being a solopreneur to being an entrepreneur to being a business creator, and, you know, they'll get the coaching and say, okay, well, all right, so it's time to leverage. It's time to outsource. And it's time to build a vertical team. So you're going to need a webmaster. You're going to need a social media manager. You're going to need a copywriter. You're going to need somebody to do your own marketing. You're going to need somebody to uh, uh, run your ads. You're going to need somebody to uh, you're going to need somebody to host your webinars. You're going to need somebody to coordinate your podcast. You're going to need somebody to be your liaison. So what they do is they go and they hire two of each without any plan as what they're actually going to do with them or whether their particular business actually needs all that stuff. Because there are a lot of businesses out there today that don't need a webmaster, uh, for instance, because of the availability of things like WordPress or if they want to use lead pages or 
or if you're using Squarespace or something like that, you might not need a webmaster. You might at most need to have a friendly hired gun who can do webmaster stuff in those, you know, that one time a year that something goes off. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and you might not really need somebody to maintain the website because it might be something where it's really a blog and you're just going to be posting to it. Uh, there's just a couple examples. Maybe your business isn't ready to do social media advertising. Maybe you don't, maybe your social media is all going to be confined to one page because all your people are on one network. I mean, there's a lot of different questions you need to ask before you do that. And to me, I've seen businesses fail because they just buy a bunch of crap uh, that they don't need. And uh, that and uh, that often you know is like shelf help, shelf help books, shelf help information courses. They never even crack the cellophane on or log into the members area on, and a bunch of people yeah. that they hire that they never actually use because they didn't have a plan for they hired them. So to me, that's almost like a number four, but it does does tie in neatly with your with your three reasons. So Adam Lean, I want to thank you so much for being here. First off. And, uh, you know, we have two minutes left here, and I want to give one of those to you. Uh, you know, what do you have for our listeners uh, who may want to uh, lean, who may be leaning in right now and may want to engage and take this to another level? Yeah, uh, great question. So I, uh, those three reasons, I've prepared a uh, just a, a simple guide that gives those three reasons, but I've given some tips on how you can avoid it happening in your business. Uh, so if you go to this, thecfoproject.com, slash uh, business creators so the cfo project.com slash business creators you can get that uh the top three reasons why businesses fail and how you can avoid it in your business um and there's also yeah. there's a link to my calendar so if anybody wants to just jump on a quick 10 15 minute call and just talk <laughs> i love talking to business owners both of those things are on the website uh so you know feel free to check it out all right awesome uh, let me just say that link again that's the CFO project. Let me make sure I got it right. The CFO project.com forward slash business creators. Thank you so much for naming your link after our show. That really of touches course. my heart. <laughs> and Adam, Adam, I, I got to say, I got to say, I have had a blast with you today. All of our episodes here at Business Creators Radio Show are awesome. And, uh, and a lot of them are fun. This is one of the ones that was really a lot of fun. I love when you get to tell stories and just kick it back and forth like, uh, you know, we're having a chat, and people get to listen in, and we may get some comments on this later. You know, I encourage everybody to leave their comments on this episode. So I want to thank you uh, finally. Uh, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate your growing compassion and sharing it with us today. And it has been an honor and an education. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you as well. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Hovey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>